0: that's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
2: A warm up for Low, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. You've got a great podcast for you. he's in the second segment, Matt Polly. He does a great job when it comes to Milwaukee Brewers pre- and post-game work over there with 620 WTMJ. He also does terrific work over there with ESPN's radio affiliate in Milwaukee. He does some work with Sports Map Radio, UW-Green Bay women's basketball. This goes on and on. The man works about 28 hours a day. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at the outlook for the Brewers for these final two days of the regular season because Corbin Burns, he is very much in play for the National League Cy Young, actually the betting favorite for that matter. So how long might he be going today? What's the Brewers bullpen going to be looking like for their divisional series against the Braves? We're also going to be talking about the St. Louis Cardinals and how they might be looking going into their one game wild card, most likely against the LA Dodgers. So going to have a great chat there. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys the sign total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday. And a little something like the call touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And if you got one or two ways, we'll fire those in. First way is my Twitter timeline at G-Unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters E-M. They mean does not matter, so please do send these into the timeline. Other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're about fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find five, that five-star review. Did wind up getting in a couple questions today, so let's dive into the Twitter mailbag.
0: So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into
2: the Twitter mailbag. I don't have Twitter handles on either of these because I know that many of you guys have asked me about quite a few of these. I know that many of you guys have have awards when it comes to odds win the Cy Young, odds win National League MVP, what have you and I know that many of you guys have asked me how I would hedge this ticket that ticket what have you and I will not tell you necessarily how to hedge because if you wind up asking 50 different people how to hedge I'm not going to say that you wind up getting 50 different answers but you'll probably get somewhere right around 37 and a half different answers because it's just one of those things in which you've got to evaluate for one how much do you stand to win with regards to the bet if you wind up having like Corbin Burns at 20 to 1 to win the Cy Young. I'm just spitballing something here. And you want to putting 10 bucks down on it, you stand to win 200. That depends. Are you a doctor that's making six figures if you are? Well, the $200 is probably not going to make much of a difference. If you're someone that's in college, you need money for textbooks or what have you, that $200 is actually very significant for you. We've got so many different people that listen to this podcast with a wide variety of different incomes, with a wide variety of different situations in general, and you have to evaluate that. How much does that actually mean to you? How much is it going to make a difference on your bankroll and or just your bottom line in general? And then you have to take a look at what are some of the other options like What I just threw out there with Corbin Burns to win the Cy Young, really, other than Max Scherzer, I don't think anyone else wins this award. I feel like Walker Buehler should get a little bit more respect for what he's been able to do this year with how many starts he's had of six-plus innings. But it seems like it's a two-headed race. So it's one of those cases in which if you stand to win a whole lot of money and say that you've got Corbin Burns instead of at 21, more like 30 to 1, and you wind up, instead of putting $10 on it, like $150. You stand to win a lot more, which means that you also don't want to be just completely left in the abyss on that as well. So it's one of those cases in which if you'd only stand to win like $200 on that $10 bet, you probably don't wind up hedging it because the $200, it's probably going to be making less of an impact rather than if you stand to win like $4,000 or something like that. So that's the way that you've got to play it. It's all based on the future and just How much in general, if what I wound up throwing out there a little bit earlier, Corbin Burns going up against the LA Dodgers today, how you feel like he's going to be doing in that start. I know that many of you guys have asked about gauging motivation as well when it comes to this final week of the season, and it's something where I think that you've got to be taking a look at just the mindset of a player. If a player is actually going out there on the field, they are... Taking the mound, if they're gonna be playing their normal second base, they're gonna be giving it their all. When it comes to anti quote tanking, when it comes to not being out there and giving it their all, I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Now, I think that front offices tank. I think that managers are wanting to give young guys a couple opportunities. So, like Salvador Perez, for example. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury, but he's got 48 home runs for the Kansas City Royals. you got to feel like he might want to try to get one more in order to push himself over the top when that home run crown had something that you want to take a look at. He's going to be swinging for the fences on every single one of his at-bats. If you've got a pitcher that's out there in the 8th inning, you've got to feel like he's going to want to strike out every single hitter. And Also keep in mind that when it comes to a lot of these guys, they're not going to just give away at-bats because a lot of these guys, they wind up having contract incentives. If you wind up hitting for like 25 home runs, if you wind up hitting like 300, if you have an on-base percentage of X, Y, Z, what have you. So if the players out there just assume that they are giving 100%, but the big thing is looking at the lineups, knowing who's in who's out, that's a big thing when it comes to motivation because the players out there, I think that they're going to be trying 110% every single time. Sometimes the managers, they want to see what they've got with some of their younger prospects. So hopefully that answers your questions. Always do appreciate them. Now let's take a look back at what we wound up seeing on Friday, Major League Baseball. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What
0: happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out.
2: And much like last weekend, this is going to be a little bit of an abbreviated version of the recap just because now you've got the Greg Peterson experience on the Vegas. That's and information network, iHeartRadio, FuboTV, Sling, what have you. That is every Friday through Saturday if you're out there on the West Coast from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. So the Friday show bleeds into Saturday. Saturday show bleeds into Sunday. And then if you're on the East Coast, that is 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Eastern talking a little baseball, talking some Football, all forms of it, college football, NFL, going to be talking. Obviously, college basketball, well, that's in season as well, so that's why we're cutting this a little bit shorter. But if you want to taking in the New York Post play of the day on Friday, you want a pitting as. The Philadelphia Phillies shut out the Miami Marlins by a count of 5-0. to zero. Mr. Ranger Suarez winds up delivering seven scoreless innings from their Ectonaris and Ian Kennedy. Both give you a scoreless inning and for Ranger Suarez. Final eight starts of the season, he wound up posting a buck 24 area with one home run surrendered at in 51 innings. So he was impressive. Bryce Harper, his 19th home run since the beginning of the month of August in this one. He gets his 35th of the campaign. That comes off of one. Cindy Alcantara. And then we were talking about this gentleman with William Bohr on the podcast earlier in the week. Matt. Veerling, a up-and-coming prospect for the Philadelphia Phillies, his second home run of the campaign. That winds up coming in the ninth inning off of a reliever Preston Gilmet, a 34-year-old journeyman, winds up giving up his home run in his inning of work for Alcantara. He winds up giving up the home run to Harper, four runs in total over the course of five innings. From there, Zach Thompson, Zach Pop, and Mr. Bellotti, Andrew Bellotti, winds up all giving you a scoreless innings for the Miami Marlins overnight with men in scoring position. So, big thanks to them for helping out with that total. The Pittsburgh Pirates wind up taking it to the Cincinnati Reds, 9-2 the final. And for the Reds, they have now scored four runs or fewer in 12 out of their last 13 road games as Luis Castillo gave a pretty good start. He gives up one run over the course of five and a third innings. Lucas Sims gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Art Warren gives you a solid inning. And then from there, things completely unrivaled for the Cincinnati Reds, giving up eight, count them, Eight runs in the eighth inning. Putting a new definition on what that eight means. Michael Lorenzen gives up five runs and he gets as many outs as Greg Peterson. Amir Garrett gives up two runs in one out, and Dori Maretta winds up giving up a run in his two-thirds of an inning, including a home run to Cole Tucker. For Tucker, that was his second home run of the campaign. I believe that that was of the grand slam variety, and for Will Crow, a very good start for him. Six scoreless innings, gives up just one in the process, nine punch-outs, by far his best career start, Anthony Banda, a scoreless inning, and then Chris Stratton and David Bernard, both give up a run in their inning of work, but the Pittsburgh Pirates avoid moving to 101 losses with their win. The Toronto Blue Jays avoid just completely embarrassing themselves and stay the course when it comes to the American League wildcard. They wind up taking down the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 6 of 4. For the Orioles, they made things a little bit interesting in the 8th inning as you had a pair of home runs. Calvin Gutierrez gets a third of the campaign off of Steven Matts and then Adam Simber gives one up to Pafaleka, his 5th. For Mr. Simber he winds up giving up 2 runs and a third of an inning Steven Matts winds up giving you 7 innings giving up 2 runs in the process and then Jordan Romano. 1 and 2 thirds innings scoreless and for the Toronto Blue Jays, you wind up having Danny Jansen get his 10th home run season and Austin Dickerson, he winds up getting his 6th the home run for Dickerson comes off of Brooks Krisky who gives up four runs while getting four outs. That's not great. Tom Eschelman, he got a shelled, man. He gets to start two and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs, and his ERA stays relatively steady. He has a 7.16 from there. Connor Green, one and a third inning scoreless. Fernando Abad, not Abad in this one. He winds up giving you an out on the bullpen without giving up anything. Marcos, Z playing a scoreless inning, and Isaac Madsen, one and a third inning scoreless. Teams were held relatively scoreless out there in Atlanta, as the Mets wind up getting a 4-3 win. For the Metropolitans, you wind up having Mr. Tyler McGill give you five scoreless innings From their Jersey Tramilia, Eth Embry, Trevor May, they all give up a run in an inning, including Embry and May, giving up solo home runs, going deep. For the Atlanta Braves, you have Ahir Andreanza get his fifth home run season, and Eddie Rosario, is 14th, as Uskarianoa. You know what, he gave up three runs over the course of five innings, giving up a home run to Brandon Nimmo, his seventh of the year, and then Nimmo will go deep for his 8th home run of the season, a little bit later off the prospect of the Atlanta Braves in Spencer Strider as he winds up giving up that home run in his inning of work. Jacob Webb was able to give you a scoreless inning along with Chris Martin and Dylan Lee. So the Atlanta Braves are throwing out there pretty much a poo-poo platter of pitchers at this point. And for the Mets, they were able to get Edwin Diaz his 32nd save of the season as he was able to hold them scoreless. The Tampa Bay Rays were able to get the job done over the New York Yankees by a count of 4-3 to for the Rays. Another solid start out of Shane McClain though this one obviously not as long. Three innings, one run given up by Mr. McClanan From there, Pete Fairbanks was able to give you a scoreless inning. Lewis Head and Josh Fleming combined for four scoreless innings. Andrew Kittredge made things a little bit fascinating, giving up two runs in the ninth inning. But all in all, team was able to get the job done as Nelson Cruz was able to come through. His 32nd home run of the season. He winds up getting that off of Nestor Cortez, who has now given up a home run in. I kid you not. 11 straight starts, and he's given up three runs or fury in all but one of them. He gives up two runs, including that Omer, over the course of four and two thirds innings. Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta both give you a scoreless setting. You wind up having Jonathan DeWizga and Elba Tabarello combine for a scoreless setting, and then Domingo Hurman winds up giving up two runs in his one and a third innings up for the New York Yankees. They go three of seven with men in scoring position, but until that ninth inning, they weren't able to generate much of anything. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox, they were held down a little bit earlier in their game against the Washington Nationals, but they are able to erupt for a fourth spot in the sixth to be able to win by a count of four to two, so they stay in control of one of those wild card spots as going deep for the Red Sox. Bobby Dahlbeck, his 25th home run season, and on run for a 31st as they both come off of Josh Rogers in the sixth inning for Rogers. In his neighborhood, he He gave up four runs over the course of six innings including those pair of home runs. Alberto Folladano along with Andres Machado combined for a scoreless setting. Patrick Murphy, Sean Nolan both give you a scoreless setting. And for the Washington Nationals, they got 1 of 12 with men in scoring position. Alcides Escobar was able to get his fourth home run season. And Jody Mercer, his second as. For Mercer, he winds up going deep off of Adam Adovino, who winds up giving up that home run in his ending of work. And so Robles was able to get the save for the team with a scoreless setting. Ryan Brazier, a scoreless setting. And Eduardo Rodriguez saw himself in a little bit of danger, giving up five hits and three by box of five innings with no runs. Matt Barnes winds up allowing the other of those home runs in his two-thirds of an inning. Darwin Hernandez so was able to give you an out out of the bullpen, so the Boston Red Sox wind up being able to get the job done. Not going to be able to give you a final on this one just because of the time that I'm recording, but boy, Clayton Kershaw did not look good against the Milwaukee Brewers. He winds up getting five outs, and in the process, he winds up giving up three runs. As Bursuitor all had to come in in the second inning, he winds up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning as well, so the Milwaukee Brewers wound up being able to get to Mr. Kershaw and company early, so that is something of note. You also take a look at the Cleveland Indians. They were able to take down the Texas Rangers by kind of 9-6 to for the Indians. They were more like the windians, and we aren't going to be able to say that too often. We've got few more days of that before they become the Guardians, but Austin Edges winds up going deep off of Spencer Howard for his 10th home run season, and Bobby Bradley is 16th of the campaign. That comes off of Spencer Howard, who I still will never understand why the guys that do prospecting and what have you have had him so high for so long. Three and two-thirds innings for Howard. He gives up both of those home runs, Eight runs, five of which were earned. He looked terrible. Kobe Allard. In his first appearance in, like, in eon, he doesn't give up a home run. Three and a third innings, he gives up one run in the process. Jarrell Cotton, Josh Shorbich, both give you a scoreless inning. And for the Rangers, they actually got the bats going. Nate Lowe was able to get low with an 18th home run of the season. You have Jose Trevino getting his fifth home run season off of Blake Parker and then Eli Morgan. Gives one up to Isaiah Kanar Falefa. His eighth home run of season for Morgan. He does give up two bonds, four runs a total over the course of five and two thirds innings, but gets a W. James check just off the injured list, and Brian Shaw both give you a scoreless inning. Meanwhile, Blake Parker gives up two runs in his inning, and Nick Wickren was able to give you an out at the bullpen. The White Sox easily get the job done against the Detroit Tigers. As I'm doing this, top of the ninth is starting up right now, eight to one, and this one is Willie Peralta. Gives up five runs over the course of six innings now, only two of which was earned. He winds up having an error by Jonathan Scope, wind up costing him dearly. And for the Tigers, they were able to get four stolen bases in this one as the White Sox wind up getting a big blast off the bat of Jose Abreu to be able to lift them his 30th home run of the campaign as Lance Lynn looked very solid in this start, Giving up one run over the course of five innings, Garrett Crochet, Ryan Tepera, Craig Kimbrell all come through with a squirrel setting of their own. The Kansas City Royals put up double figures against the Minnesota Twins as they're able to get the job done behind 11 runs as for the Minnesota Twins. They were able to get a home run off the bat of Ryan Jeffers, his 14th home run season. That comes off of John Easley who winds up giving up four runs over the course of five and a third innings, including that homer You wind up having Greg Holland give you one and a third innings Scoreless Irvin Santana closes the deal. And then Gabe Spear winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in his one and a third innings. But Hunter Dozier, his 16th home run of the campaign, as for the Kansas City Royals, they were just all over our good friend John Gant. As he gives up six runs over the course of four innings, from there, Luke Farrell winds up getting four outs. He gives up four runs in the process, including that home run, Giovanni Moran winds up giving up one in one and two-thirds innings, and Danny Colombe was able to give you a score of saying so. That was not too spectacular. This also was not too spectacular, as the airs the Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies are doing battle right now. The Diamondbacks put up a 7 spot in the third inning, and then the Colorado Rockies respond with a touchdown minus the extra point in the sixth, so... This one is a calamity if you wind up having the under John Gray. Gives up seven runs over the course of four innings. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Humberto Cassiano five and two-thirds innings, giving up six runs, including a homer. Going deep for the Colorado Rockies to his 13th home run season, so you've got a whole lot of that going on. You've also got the Oakland A's being able to lift themselves over the Houston Astros. This game is currently in the bottom of the eighth inning, but for the Oakland A's, they were able to get a very solid start out of Sean Manea, giving up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. This one is currently eight to three as I record this. But Chad Pinder, sixth home run of the campaign, Matt Olson, his 39th. At Home run for Olsen comes off of Framber Valdez, who was not sharp in this one, giving up four runs, including both of those homers over the course of five innings, and Khrushchev here. The super reliever for this team, four runs three, which were earned in one and two thirds innings, and the Houston Astros did wind up benching a lot of guys in this one. Jose Altuve and company they had just clinched the day before, so something that you always want to be a little bit mindful of, and want to be mindful of the San Diego Padres as as I do this right now. The Giants are up by a kind of two to zero on them, obviously that's in the early goings, but if you're just taking a look at baseball in general, we are noticing a whole lot of unders. They have been hitting over the last few days. If you're looking overall for the year, and I'm doing this as a couple games for Friday, so going on 1,148 Unders and 1,118 Overs overall for the year. So Unders are hitting now at a 50.7% clip favorites for the year, hitting at 59.4%, 14.02 to 9.57 in home teams. Are 1281 and 1101 for the year, so winning at a rate of about 53.8%. But you take a look at the last seven days and holy Batman unders, 51 unders of 30 over. So that's a 63% clip to the under favorites, 53 and 31 this time span, also hitting right around 63%. And home teams, 51 and 33 after they were having a really rough run of it. Home teams overall over the last 30 days right around even, 197 or 196 favorites in that time span, 225 and 163, so a 58% hit right there, and unders, a slight lead over overs over the last three days, 189 and 181. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Friday, like I said, a little bit abbreviated because I'm doing now the Greg Peterson experience and an experience that is always great on this podcast is Matt Pauley, who does Milwaukee Brewers pre and post game work joining me. So we're going to be asking him about the Brew Crew moving forward. We're going to be taking a look at the potential St. Louis Cardinals versus LA Dodgers wild card matchup as well. So that chat is on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline.
2: And we're back here. lovely Las Vegas. the Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to have this guest on the podcast as he is one of the very, very few people that did not declare the same those Cardinals dead at any point this year because I feel like every other person on the face of planet Earth that he does Milwaukee Birds pre and post game work. Over there with six twenty WTMJ, also the ESPN radio affiliate out there in the great city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, also does some anchoring and hosting over there at Map Radio. He does some play-by-play with the Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball team, and occasionally joins this podcast. And always brings it when he's on this podcast. Says it is Matt Paulie joining me, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at Matt Paulie on Airs. Paulie is spelled P-A-U-L-E-Y. And Matt, is great to have you aboard. Thank you.
1: Yeah, great to be on and ready for this regular season to get over with here and get right to the postseason.
2: I am right there with you. I'm for the Milwaukee Brewers. They've got two games left in the regular season. Corbin Burns is going to be the starter on Saturday. And I know that we've seen the Brewers wind up giving their starters a little bit more rest these last few days. We saw Brandon Woodruff a couple days ago wind up getting pulled early in his start. Is there any sort of concern with that for Corbin Burns? Because as we know, there's a lot riding on his start when it comes to the Cy Young Award, things like this, and I've got to think that the Brewers would want nothing more than to send the LA Dodgers to that one-game wild card spot, but I do know as well, Craig Council is always thinking of the big picture as well, so are they going to be playing these final two games of the regular season? Yeah, I think like all that stuff matters. Like, they're going to worry about
1: themselves and they're going to worry about their team. Like they're not going to push Corbin Burns to 100 pitches just so he can get more innings in there to make his case for the Cy Young Award that much better. I think he's got a pretty solid case, as is already without this next start. If they can get five innings out of him, great. 80 pitches is probably the ceiling, and there's a good chance that's closer to 60. And if that's the case, maybe he only gets four innings out of it, and that's okay. Again, they're not going to make any of these decisions based upon trying to win him a Cy Young Award. I also don't think that they're going to – you know play these games differently. They've got their relief pitching kind of scripted out. Like they've got guys that they want to get in every game and they have kind of an idea of how much they want them to throw in these games. It's really scripted. It doesn't really matter what the score is or anything like that. So they're not going to be pushing... Josh Hader, anything like that, to win these games, especially. They want to win them. They want to go in with a little bit of momentum. They don't want to look like a bad baseball team in the final weekend, but they're worried less about sending the Dodgers to a potential wild card game than they are about just doing what they need to do to best position themselves for the postseason.
2: Yep. Yeah, and with the Dodgers, I think that we both agree this is a bunch of which they are going to be playing as if their lives are on the line because. They want to do everything humanly possible to avoid that one-game wild card. At this point, it looks like it's going to be a hefty task as the San Francisco Giants are playing against a Padres team that has went completely into the tanker over the last month and a half, but certainly the Dodgers are going to try to get every win humanly possible. As we do, have Matt Polly joining me on the podcast. and Matt, when you take a look at the Brewers going forward in the postseason, what are you expecting out of the lineup? Because we do know that it has been very shaky. But what I think he's so fascinating is for the Milwaukee Brewers. whenever Willie Adamas has been out there in the lineup for this team, I believe that they are now 63-32 and 32 when he's out of the lineup there's something in the neighborhood of like 32 and 32. So it has been a very stark difference. As we know, Adamus wound up missing quite a bit of time in the month of September. Does it sound like he's good to go for the Brewers for the postseason? Because I think that's really the biggest question that the Brewers do have at this point, aside from obviously Devin Williams and if he's going to be able to return or not.
1: Yeah. So he's not a hundred percent. He was never going to get back to a hundred percent this year. He talked about that when he had his last injured list. stint. he said, probably not going to get to 100% this year, but if you can get back to 95%, that's going to be good enough for him to be in the postseason. He was scratched late. I think it was the first game of the last St. Louis series, if I'm remembering correctly. Craig Council after the game said, look, if this was a playoff game, he would be playing, but there's no reason to push it. He felt just a little bit of tightness in that quad, and that's the injury that he had that put him on the injured list. So he's not 100%. I guess there's always a little bit of a red flag there, because if you're not 100%, you would think that that would make make it maybe a little bit easier or more likely that it could result in some type of injury or reaggravation of that injury would be the better way to say it. I'm not worried about that for him. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a big part of this. I would expect him to play in every single postseason game, but it is worth just kind of leaving in the back of your mind that he's not hundred percent and at any given moment, he could do something that could tweak that quad a little bit. If the Brewers get out to a big lead in one of these games against the Braves or if they get down big in one of these games, do you take the opportunity to get him out of the lineup? I, I think that's probably a smart, prudent sort of thing to do inside of a game. But he's going to start these games. He's played at an MVP level. You just gave the numbers in terms of the win-loss record. They are a different team. With He does so many things. What he does at the plate. What he does defensively. What he does to deepen the lineup. And then just from a big picture standpoint. What he does in the dugout. What he does in the clubhouse. There's so much going on there. He's the guy that you need there in the middle of the order.
2: Yep, and you mentioned it with the Milwaukee Brewers. They are all set for their series against the Atlanta Braves. That is going to get started. Next Friday, the 8th, and with the Atlanta Braves over the weekend, they're going to be playing against the New York Mets. You've got to figure that the Atlanta Braves, they're going to be trying to rest their starters as much as possible. But what I think is a big question for the Milwaukee Brewers is how their rotation is going to be looking going into the postseason because we're recording this not knowing how Eric Lauer wound up doing in his Friday start against the LA Dodgers. But I think we'd both agree, ever since coming off the injured list, Freddie Peralta hasn't quite looked like himself. And Eric Lauer has been absolutely amazing. Going into his start against the L.A. Dodgers on Friday, he had given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last 13 starts. He's actually been a Dodgers killer, by the way. I brand the numbers in his eight starts, 6-0 and oh, going into Friday night. So that's absolutely ridiculous. But you take a look at Lauer and At this point, I almost think that he might be a better start than Freddie Peralta. But we know this with Craig Council. He's done a good job of getting very creative with the starting lineups, whenever the birds have been in the post season. So I could very well see a case in which maybe you wind up piggybacking like Eric Lauer, Adrian house or Adrian Houser or with Freddie Peralta, something like that. And sort of mixing and matching after you wind up having Woodruff and Corbin Burns be at the front end.
1: All right. So you gave me credit on, being right on the Cardinals thing, we may have to burn this audio because I may be completely <laughs> wrong on what I'm about to say. What you just said is correct. Based off track record, the Brewers have been as creative and as out-of-the-box thinking as any organization in baseball when it comes to pitching. They had the Wade Miley thing a couple years ago where he faces the one bat. They've just done wacky stuff, and I understand that's been the way that they've done things. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do anything wacky. This year, I think they've got a very conventional starting rotation. I think they still absolutely believe in those top three guys, and they're going to be t- the top three starters, and I think Eric is going to be the fourth guy. The only thing that I can like talk myself into just a little bit is especially when Devin Williams got hurt, that opens up a spot on the roster. I don't think Brett Anderson's going to make the postseason roster, but if Brett Anderson makes the postseason roster, maybe, just maybe... I can see some type of scenario where they use Anderson as an opener, and then they go to a, a Lauer or something like that after that. That's as crazy as I think. I don't think it's going to be piggybacking. I don't think it's going to be doing weird stuff. I don't think it's going to be openers. I don't think it's going to be initial out getters. I don't think it's going to be any of that stuff. I think it's going to be Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta asked to go out there and throw six, seven innings and give the team the best opportunity to win, which is not the way the Brewers have done things. So I don't know if I'm going out on a Limb, but I think it's going to be really conventional in the postseason with the way they use their pitching unless something unforeseen happens
2: and breaking news the Milwaukee Brewers plan to use Brent Suter as their starter for all five games of the Atlanta Braves series if it winds up going that far as he currently leaves the Brewers and wins as we do it Matt Polly joining me on the podcast obviously joking on the Suter ordeal but I did mention it a little bit earlier you wanted up bringing it up The fact that you are one of the few people that did not wind up failing on the St. Louis Cardinals. And as we know, Brewers just wound up seeing the St. Louis Cardinals. They are most likely going to be playing the L.A. Dodgers in that one-game wild card unless we see a total calamity happen with the San Francisco Giants over the weekend. But when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, what sort of a shot would you give them in a one-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals? Because you got to think that the Dodgers are probably going to try to have Max Scherzer go in that game for the Cardinals. You got to think that it's going to be old, reliable Adam Wainwright. And at this point, I just cannot count the St. Louis Cardinals out of anything because we have just seen some very wacky things happen all year long and them going into Friday having won 18 out of 19 games is one of the most ridiculous things we've seen since the Colorado Rockies went on their run in 2007. Yeah, Rocktober, that was crazy. And the Cardinals have announced that
1: Adam Wainwright is going to start the, the wild card game, so there's no real question mark there on what's going to happen. I think it's a toss up game. I think it's a fifty fifty kind of game. Now, if you put the Cardinals and Dodgers in a division series, in a five-game series, if you put them in a seven-game series, I take the Dodgers every single time. But there is nothing more random. You know this as well as anybody with how locked in on baseball gambling you are. There is nothing more random in professional sports than a single baseball game. That's I don't like the wild card game because I think it should be at least a best of three series. Baseball is built for series, not games. So a single game is incredibly random. I hope that the Dodgers go with Scherzer in that game so we can see Wainwright and Scherzer. I think that's a great pitching matchup between a couple old guys for sure. One Hall of Famer in there, maybe two Hall of Famers depending on what happens with Wainwright. He's probably still a question mark on whether or not he's going to get to Cooperstown. But I think it's a total toss up, and that's notable. I think that's a remarkable statement to be. Made because I'm not oblivious to the Dodgers' record and the fact that the Dodgers are a really good team. And I think the Dodgers are still the betting favorite to win the World Series. They're all these things. And here you have the Cardinals as the second wild card. I really think it's just a total 50 50 game on who ends up winning that.
2: I'm right there with you. If I'm getting a nice plus price on the St. Louis Cardinals, You know where my money is gonna be heading when you've got a team that's eighteen and one in their last nineteen games going into Friday. It is absolutely remarkable. And when you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals in general, it's not necessarily been one thing with them. We've seen them come back from multiple run deficits like six times over the last three weeks. And this is a bunch of what you're just getting it from everyone. Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, Nolan Arenado list goes on and on. But what I think is really big, and I think that this is going to be really true for all these teams in the postseason, is it's going to be the importance of the bullpen pitching, which is why all of a sudden I do have more concerns with the Milwaukee Brewers, because they're going to be without Devin Williams. Sounds like for the entirety of the postseason, if not the majority of it. There's a really outside shot if
1: they get to the World Series that maybe he could be in the World Series. But I don't think so. Like, even if that happens, even if they don't get to the world series, I still don't think they get Devin Williams back. It really changes things for what they want to do because the back end of the bullpen has been so strong. Boxberger in the seventh. He wasn't quite as good in the month of September. He got to 70 plus games used this year. First time he's ever gotten to that mark in his career. That's a big number, as is. That's a bigger number when you consider the fact that they're coming off the 60 game schedule last year. So they've really take their foot off the gas with Boxberger here over the final week of the season to try to make sure that he is in as good a shape as possible. I sense I could be wrong on this. I sense that they'd probably just rather leave Boxberger in the seventh inning role and not move him to the eighth inning role. Now, maybe depending on availability in the bullpen, there might be a scenario where you almost have to use Boxberger in that eighth inning spot. If you can get seven out of a starter, if you can get seven out of Woodruff, if you can get seven out of Burns, maybe you do go to Boxberger in the eighth in that situation. I think in a perfect world, you're looking at Boxberger to stay in the seventh, Hader to stay in the ninth, and all of a sudden you're looking at that eighth inning. How does that work? Now, if you have Aaron Ashby available, he's kind of the wild card in all of this his slider is incredible. It's one of the best pitches on the staff. And you're talking about a, a staff that features some of the best single pitches in baseball. When you think about some of the pitches that Corbin Burns throws and and, and Brandon Woodruff and Josh Hader's fastball and Devin Williams changeup, the Ashby slides right there. So Ashby covering the eighth inning, I think is something that's probably going to be a thing, but at the same time, He's not really somebody who's pitched back to back. He was a starter. They started using him a little bit as a relief pitcher. So we don't know how his arm is going to respond. So what do you do on days that maybe Ashby isn't available? Perhaps those are the days where Boxberger goes to the eighth and like a Jake Cousins or a Hunter Strickland covers the seventh, maybe you're a little bit more liberal with your starting pitching, or if it's Brandon Woodruff or Corbin Burns on the mound, you're really, really hopeful that you're able to get seven innings out of those guys, so you only need to cover the eighth and ninth out of your bullpen. Brent is going to have a bigger role as well. Kind of going to be a collective group effort to try to make up for Devin Williams, but that's a big loss. You can see that scenario where there's a one-run lead in the eighth inning, and, and somebody comes in, and all of a sudden it turns in the other direction very quick what was a big time strength for the Brewers in their back three innings I think there's a few more question marks there because they will not have
2: Devin Williams available I agree with you I do think that it is going to be a little bit of a damper for the Milwaukee Brewers not having Devin Williams certainly a strange situation that you don't want to see but a situation that we always want to see on this podcast is having Matt Poly on because you do absolutely terrific work over there with 620 WTMJ along with the ESPN radio affiliate out there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin doing pre and post game work for the Birds. Unfortunately wound up getting a little bit cut off towards the end of the interview with Matt, but I'll give out the Twitter handle once again. At Matt Paulie on air and the last name is spelled P-A-U-L-E-Y so he is doing absolutely tremendous work. He's been on this podcast many times and it is always a pleasure to get him aboard. So big thanks to Matt for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast and coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a sense Turtle. On every game on the betting board for this Saturday, and a little something you like to call, touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. As we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
2: And we're back here, loving Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to get Matt Pauli aboard. He does a terrific job with Milwaukee Brewers pre and post game show hosting and. The man is very, very busy. He is always a restless man, as you can sometimes just turn on your radio when you're just driving down to go to the grocery store or something like that, and you'll randomly hear a Matt Polly update. Guy is absolutely incredible, and it's always great to get him on the podcast. So a big thanks to him. Now it is that time the podcast to give you sign signed total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday, and a little something like call, touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at One. Gonna be going in Las Vegas rotation, or this is where we go with the national league games first and the American league games, and any interleague games are gonna be at the bottom. We do have one interleague game, and the Red Sox have yet to decide a starter as I am doing this podcast. And you're gonna be hearing me give a little bit of everything that I've got for you guys, but obviously, as you guys heard in the first segment with me talking about motivation and everything like that, you are going to be having some rested starters, so. There's going to be probably a little bit more movement than normal when it comes to these lines with guys sitting out for the final couple of days of the season. So it makes things very fascinating, but we are going to do our best here. And we are going to be starting with that first national game of 901-902 on the bangboard board. The Diego Padres that throw to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Kevin Gosman is going to be going for the Yantes. Joel Musgrove is on the bump for the Padres. Only place that has a line currently is DraftKings, and the Giants are minus 130, plus 110 on the Padres. 7.5 is your total. Overs minus 115, and the unders minus 105. I just can't take a look at the Padres at this price. Joe Musgrove has been the best starter for the Padres so far this year. I mean, he's been relatively reliable, an 11-9 record, 322 ERA. A little bit worse on the road than he has been at home, 354 road ERA, compared to a 292 home ERA, giving up 12 home runs at 84 innings, but... By and large, he's done the job. Opponents are turning a 205 off of him whenever he is on the road. You take a look at him against the San Francisco Giants. So in four stars, he has right around a 7-ish He has been tattooed giving up six home runs against the San Francisco Giants. He has given up 16 home runs against all other teams across, I believe, 26 starts and 27 overall appearances. This is a Giants team that they certainly do have as number. And you take a look at the Giants, and they've got an outstanding bullpen that is going to be backing up Kevin Gosman. Dominic Leone, a sub-2 ERA. Jarlin Garcia has been able to do a very good job. Heck, even a guy like a Kervin Castro has been able to come on for the team. And then you take a look at the starting lineup that the San Francisco Giants are out there last night. 1-6. through six. All had at least 15 home runs in the lineup. Darren Ruff, Buster Posey, Lamonte Wade, Brandon Crawford, Wilmer Flores, Mike Yastrzemski, and this is with Brandon Belt on the injured list. You've got Evan Longoria sitting about at 270 for the team. Donovan Solano at 280. Whenever you've had out there, even Tommy Slala, He's been solid. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres. And Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be playing out the string. 42 home runs. He's staying at 280. He was in the starting lineup yesterday. You've got a pair of guys at like Jake Cronenworth, Eric Cosmer. Both thing about at 265 to a 265 dude, 270. Manny Machado wound up sitting out yesterday. But I wouldn't be surprised if he plays in this game. He's been able to give you right around 27 bombs. He's hitting in the neighbor about a 275. Then you've got guys like Jerks and Profar, Trent Grisham out there in the outfield, hitting about a 225 to a 240. So that's been a little bit of an issue. They get on base, but they haven't necessarily been able to supply a lot of boom. And you just take a look at this Padres team in general in the National League. Ever since September 1st, this team is scoring the fewest runs per game of any out there in the National League. And they wound up having a trot out there Pedro Avila for a start yesterday. So this is a bullpen that has already been taxed to start with, and they just keep getting even more taxed. I mean, Emilio Pagan. Is It's more like that ball is begun. Going into yesterday, he had given up seven home runs in eight innings in the last 30 days. It's been absolutely remarkable to watch him work. He's like an awesome Adam. Even someone like a Pierce Johnson. These guys have just all been used for way too many innings. I want up saying the Giants here is a minus 173 favorite. They've got everything in the world to play for, avoiding that one-game card spot. And this is a spot in which in 8.5 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. In 8 or lower, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. With the 7.5, I will be looking over because you do take a look at Kevin Gosman. And this is someone that hasn't necessarily been the world's sharpest ever since the all-star break. Since the all-star break, is seen his ERA hover more around a 4 out of 4-6. 64 ERA in the month of September across the 6 starts with opponents saying a 276 off of them. By far the most of any month that we've seen this year, but we have also seen the San Diego Padres hit him up quite a bit as well. And his two starts against the Padres in the month of September gave up a combined eight home runs over the course of nine innings. And he has given up three runs or more in now four out of his last five starts. You can tell that he is starting to regress a little bit. But the fact that he is backed up by such a good bullpen and the Padres have just went into the tanker in general. That is a big reason why I do set the Giants as such a big favorite. Like I said, right around a minus 170-ish. And like I said, eight or lower going to be taking the over eight and a half higher to the under. 903-904 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Asus Lazardo is going to be going for the Fish. Hans Kraus is going to be going for the Phillies. Once again, only DraftKings has a line currently up on this game. Phillies are minus 115, minus 105 on the Fish. 8.5 is your total over and under. Both at minus 110. I want to say the soil at 9.1, so 9 or lower. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. You take a look at Hans Kraus and he wanted making his MLB debut about a week or so ago. Wound up giving up one run over the course of three innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I expect largely the same from him. You take a look at what he wound up doing at the minor league level. Actually, began the year with the Texas Rangers. He's bounced around with the Rangers and the Philadelphia Phillies, and overall in the minor league level, a 3.20 ADRA. A guy that does a very solid job of being able to get swings and misses right around 10 and punch outs per nine innings. With Lehigh Valley, the AAA affiliate with the Philadelphia Phillies, only made one start there, but you're able to combine that with what he did at Redding and Frisco. A 5-4 and four record overall. He is someone that does give up the deep ball a little bit, but right around 6 hits per 9 innings, so he does a good job of being able to limit contact in general. And this is a Miami Marlins team that, shall we say, does not necessarily have a lot of mashers out there, because A.C. Seguir, his season is done, so you're going to be looking to a pair of guys that have north of 10 home runs so far this year in Asu Sanchez, along with Jazz Schislam, to be able to give you a little bit of something. And even Sanchez was out of the lineup yesterday for the Miami Marlins Chislam is hitting about a 250 for this team. You've got Brian De La Cruz, who's hitting about a 300, but ever since coming off the injured list, he has not been himself. Then you take a look at it, Mangolia Sierra. You're able to throw in there Lewis Brinson and Peyton Henry. These guys are hitting about a 225 to 235. We've really seen. Luan Diaz struggle at the plate as well, right around at 250 on base. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Bryce Harper, you gotta figure, is going to be playing these final two games. He has, ever since the beginning of the month of August, had 18 home runs, hitting above a 3 He's a guy that is really vying for the MVP award. You've got Travis Janikowski out there. He, along with Freddie Galvis, both hitting right around at 240 to a 250. Ronald Torres, as he's been in and out of the fold as well. Brian Miller hasn't given you much. D.D. Gregorius is hitting a 210. Andrew McCutcheon wanted peeing out of the fold yesterday. Odubo Rear has been giving you a little Bit of something, but certainly not a pair of teams that have been necessarily trotting out their the world's greatest lineups. But you also take a look at our good friend Asus Lazardo, and ever since coming over to the Miami Marlins, a 692 ERA, giving up nine home runs in 52 innings. And this is a very pitcher friendly ballpark that he pitches in, and even Oakland is relatively solid for pitchers as well. Overall, and starts in Oakland along with Miami, a 621 ERA, giving up 14 bombs and 62 in 62 and a third innings. Opponents hanging at 261 off of him. He's got great stuff, but he hasn't been able to put it together with the Phillies. You take a look at their bullpen, and it is not very good at this point. Connor Brogdon has been able to give you a couple good innings, but Bailey Falter probably going to be looked to for a few innings in this spot. He's got right around five ERA so far this year. Hector Neris has been up and down. Adonis Medina. He's got a right around a 4 ERA. And then you take a look at the Miami Marlins, and they do have a little bit of a better bullpen, in my opinion. You've been able to get quite a bit of something out of someone like a Richard Blyer, Anthony Bender, Dylan Floro. These guys have all been relatively solid. Even Stephen O'Kurt has right around 2 ERA, but I just have zero faith here in ASUS Lazardo. so I set the Phillies as a minus-118 favorite. So, on this DraftKings line, I will be taking a look at the Phillies. I set the total a little bit north of 9. I'd even be willing to take a 9 over, so looking over, and I'm looking Phillies in this spot. 905-906 on the banging board. It is my... My New York Post play that day is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in Cincinnati, and they're under the road face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates as Max Kerenik is going to be going for the Buccos, and Tyler Molly's is going to be on the bump for the Redlegs. The Reds find themselves anywhere between minus 172, minus 180. plus price here with the Buccos is anywhere 14 plus 155 and plus 163 in half is your total. Overs minus 120, and the unders even. Where we're looking is the total, and I'm looking at the under among qualifying pitchers, so guys that have thrown at least 60 innings so far this year on on the road. Tyler Molly has the second best ERA of any of them. A buck 85 ERA, and he gets to go up against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are scoring the fewest runs per game this year at right around 3.7, so that is something that I really do like. molly has been able to do a great job of keeping the ball in the yard when he's away from Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, he's given up 19 home runs at 78 in the third innings, 5 home runs at 97 in the third innings on the road. On the road, opponents earning a buck 92 off of him. His strikeouts per 9 rate hovers right around 10, so I like what I'm seeing there. And for Max Kranick, he's looked a little bit better recently. He's coming off of pitching five scoreless innings against the Philadelphia Phillies. He's only made one home start so far this year. That was against the Milwaukee Brewers in July, so we don't have a big sample size there, but three runs are fewer and I'll give it up in three out of his last four starts, so I do feel like that 623 ERA is a little bit deceiving. He is backed up by a couple okay bullpen pieces in David Bernard, who's got a sub three ERA. Jason Sharif has been able to do a solid job for you. Even someone like a Chris Drain is able to give you some innings, so I do like what you're getting there. And for the Cincinnati Reds, ever since, really the Middle of August. This is a bullpen that has been able to pick it up ever since I would say the last 45 days as a little bit of a marker. They're in the top 10 with regards to bullpen ERA. You've had Tony Santian coming and give you some good innings. Luis Sessa, Michael Givens. These guys have been good acquisitions. Michael Lorenzen has been able to give you a couple solid innings as well. Then you take a look at the Reds themselves. You've got Jesse Winker along Taylor and Naquin, who have been out of the fold for quite a while for this team. Now Max rock along Jonathan India at the top of the fold. Both of these guys hanging between about a 270 to a 285 with India. 375 on base, 20-plus home runs at the leadoff spot. Nick Castellanos, Joey Votto, Alonso, and Eugenio Suarez. All these guys have given you 30-plus home runs. And for Suarez, he's hitting above a 330 over the last 30 days for the team. But you take a look at the bottom of the fold, and you've been looking to guys like a tra- TJ Friedel, along with even Jose Barrero. And that's a little bit tough. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you just don't have much with the team. Yoshi Satsugo, ever since coming over to the Buccos, he's actually been very good. He's been hitting right in the neighborhood about a 275. Eight home runs for them, which is something that you do like to see. Ben Gamble sitting about at 240, but then Kevin Newman, Anthony Alford, these guys in between about at 225 to 230. You've got Hoy Park, Michael Perez. The list goes on and on. Of guys, they're in below the Mendoza line of 200, so it's really bad. Brian Reynolds was out of the fold for the team yesterday. He's had 20-plus home runs. He's hitting right around 300 and by far is their best offensive force. So I do take a look at this spot, and I think we're getting a really low-scoring game. The New York Post play today the day is the under Tyler Mully has just been absolutely dominant on the road. So I wound up setting the run line of the Reds, more around like a minus 130, minus 135-ish. I'm getting this anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 115. Sign me up for that Reds run line along the New York Post play of the day of the under. 907, 908 on the betting board. You've got the Chicago Cubs in the road to face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. John Lesser is going to be going for the Cards. Meanwhile, Adrian Sampson is going to be going for the Cubs. Cubs are finding themselves as underdogs of anywhere between plus 155 and plus 161. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the guards, it's anywhere between minus 172, minus 189 is your total. Over, it's anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 the under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105 and I do think that regression is going to be coming in for Adrian Sampson he's actually been able to give the Cubs a couple nice starts but you take a look at him he is very much a pitch to contact guy he has been giving up quite a bit of hard contact as well he's got a 287 era despite having given up seven home runs in 31 and a third innings that's just absolutely insane and you take a look at John Lester. He, too, has given up the deep ball quite a bit. He's given up right around 1.8 home runs per nine innings overall. But you take a look at what he's done ever since he's gotten to St. Louis, and he has been very solid for the Cardinals. A 4 1 3 ERA across his 11 starts. And you just take a look at what he was able to do in the month of September. It was quite impressive. A 307 ERA. Now, he did wind up giving up seven home runs over the course of 29 and a third innings. So you could see a little bit of regression come through for him as well. Not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy. His strikeouts per nine rate right? is right around six as well. But I do like what I've seen from him recently, and he's backed up by a St. Louis Cardinals bullpen that has been very reliable recently. Alex Reyes in more of the middle innings has been able to do a good job. Luis Garcia has given you some good innings. C.J. McFarland as well. Giovanni Gallegos closing things out. Then you take a look at the Cardinals saying you've got a trio of guys with between 31 and 34 arm runs. Paul Goldschmidt, Tether O'Neill, Nolan Arenado. These guys have been great with Goldschmidt ever since the beginning of the month of July. He's hitting right around 335. You've got Nolan Arenado, Harrison Bader. You're able to throw in there. Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson, typical Yadier Molina, but seems like he's probably going to be resting these couple final days of the regular season. They're all hitting between about a 255 to a 267, so they've certainly been able to do their part. And then you take a look at the Cubs, and you've actually been able to get some good production out of this lineup. Ian App, ever since the beginning of the month of August, I believe he's out at 14 home runs. He's hitting a 225 overall for the year, but in this time span, he's been hitting more like a 3-iron Duffy's hitting a 280 for you. Rafael Ortega, more like a 290. Frank Schwindel, 332. He's been getting a home run every, I would say, about 15 or so at-bats. Now, they are probably going to be without Patrick Wisdom the rest of the year. And you do have Sergio Contra, both of the Romines, Trace Thompson, a lot of guys that aren't necessarily getting on base. David Bodie you're able to throw in there as well. But they do have a couple boppers on the lineup. Problem with the Cubs is this is a bullpen that has been really bad since the trade deadline. They gave away Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell, even Andrew Chafin. And you've got, oh boy, Rex Brothers, who ever since the All-Star break, has an ERA that's hovering right around eight. Eight-ish. You've had Cody Hoyer really start to regress for this team. And a Morgan's been able to give you a couple of solid innings, but Tommy Nance has a 7.07 ERA. So I do take a look at this spot. I do think that you're going to be getting quite a few runs in this one. I want to saying the total personally at a 9.7. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot. And when it comes to the Cardinals, this team is wide-eyed. I think that they're going to keep it going. I wound up saying them on the money line at right around a minus 230. If you're looking at the run line, you're able to get this as good as a plus 125 at DraftKings. Most other places have this between a plus 105 to a plus 110, but sign me up for that St. Louis Cardinals run line to go along with this little over 909-910 on the betting board. We've currently got an off-the-board game between the Atlanta Braves and the New York Metropolitan. Says Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the Metropolitans and. Good old to be determined is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. Braves could literally go with anything here. I know that they've been working with injury concerns with Tuki Toussaint. They could wind up giving a young guy a little bit of a start because they've got pretty much everything sewed up. They're going to be playing against the Brewers in the postseason. So going to be interesting to see what happens there, which is why I just really can't give you as much right now on this one. But what I can say is that you do have a Mets team that they are going to be trying to give Carlos Carrasco a little bit of confidence going into the back half of the season, and they're going to be backing him up with a lineup that you do have a pair of guys that have been able to give you 30-plus home runs, and Avi Baez and Pete Alonso, both of these guys, in between about a 262, 270. The rest of the lineup has not been good. Francisco Lindor, James McCann, Kevin Pillar, all these guys are in between about a 225 to a 235, though I will say, with Lindor over the last three days, he has been able to erupt for this team, hitting right in the neighborhood of about a 265 to a 270 for this team, nine home runs, you know, that three home run game against the Yankees, so he's been producing a little bit more for this team. You got Brandon Nemo. I think about it, 295. But this is a Mets team that they do rank in the bottom five in the big leagues when it comes to runs per game. And you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, and they did wind up resting a couple guys yesterday. You saw Freddie Freeman out of the fold. They did wind up utilizing Austin Riley along with Ozzie Albies. pair of guys giving you 30 plus home runs. Adam Duvall, you got to figure is going to be on the shelf for these final couple games. So, you're probably going to have Orlando Garcia, Eddie Rosario along Guillermo already, like we wound up seeing yesterday. Jock Peterson will probably get a little bit of run as well, and he's relatively solid, hitting about a 240-17 home run so far this year, but keep in mind that he wound up seeing his at-bats really diminish shorts back half the season. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is a bullpen that they are going to be backing up whoever starts with a relatively solid one. Tyler Madzik, ever since the beginning of the month of July, right around a 2.25 ERA. A.J. Minter has come off the injured list. He's looked relatively solid. Jacob Webb has certainly has had his ups and his downs. Over the last 30 days, though, right around a 4-5 ERA, and he's seen actually quite a bit of usage. Now, you don't want any part of someone like a Spencer Strider or anything like that, but at the same time, with the Braves, you do have quite a few guys who are doing a solid job. And for the Mets as well, their bullpen has been good. Miguel Castro has been a little bit up and down in the long-term. But he's certainly been able to get good innings all year long out of Aaron Lupo with right around 1 ERA. Trevor May has a sub 3-5 ERA over the last three days. Seth Lugo has been relatively solid for this bunch. He's got it right around about a four one five ERA over the last two or so weeks. So he's been able to give you a little bit of something. I do take a look at this spot. And I've got to think that with Carlos Carrasco certainly being a guy that is not what he once was, a 573 ERA. You take a look at what he's been able to do on the road so far this year, and he's got a 540 ERA in four starts, only allowing one home run in 18 and a third innings, but a little bit of small sample sizes overall. He's given up 10 bombs in 48 and two-thirds innings, That I'll probably be setting the Braves as some sort of a favorite how big of a favorite all depends on what we wind up getting out of the Atlanta Braves though, and I'm thinking that this is a total in which in a or for Laura, I'm going to be taking a look at the over a 9 or higher to the under, but check back in the morning, when we to feed at and 41 One cents. the Braves are a little bit of a mystery at this point. 9-11, 9-12 on the bank board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing us to the Colorado Rockies as Antonio Sanzatella is going to be going for the Rockies, and Zach Allen is going to be on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Here's something we haven't said much this year. The Diamondbacks are our favorite anywhere between minus 125 and minus Minus 140. Meanwhile, with the Rockies, you're going to be getting the anywhere between plus 115 and plus 124, and your total game is 8 and a half. The over and the under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Going into yesterday, the Rockies were 18 and 17 in their last 35 road games. Now they started off the year 6 and 33 on the road, but this is a Rockies team that all of a sudden they've actually been playing some halfway decent baseball. And you take a look at this lineup; they certainly have not been great on the road when it comes to road batting averages. They rank in the bottom three in all the big leagues but Brendan Rodgers on the road is sitting right around 280. Trevor Story has been able to give you a double digit amount of homers on the road. CJ Crone in his last two road swings has been able to give you seven home runs across those two. So, you got a couple guys that are starting to produce for this team. They aren't necessarily hitting up to the 270s, the 260s that you're seeing on the box score for them overall this year, but the Rockies are starting to figure a little bit of something out and they're going against an Arizona Diamondbacks team that, well, they've got nobody that's more than 13 home runs on the roster right now. Carson Kelly Dalton Varsho, Quito Marte, Joshua Roas, These guys all have between right around 11 and 13 home runs. With Marte sitting at 315, but he was the only guy in the starting lineup for the Arizona Diamondbacks with north of a 265 batting average yesterday. You've got Joshua Ross, who's giving you a little bit of something. David Peralta hitting right around 255, but man, it's not been good for the team to say the least. And I do recognize that the Rockies certainly do have their wolves when it comes to bullpen pitching. When it comes to the road, you've got a guy like a Daniel Bart, who's got right around an 8-ish ERA. But you take a look at that Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, and my goodness. It is not good. Joe Manant-Dipley has been absolutely one of the best guys that you've had for this team. He and Noah Ramirez with sub four ERAs. Are your pretty much best bullpen pitchers because you got guys like Taylor Widener and Jake Ferrier, who are failed starters that they've been using out of the bullpen. You've got Mr. Frias who's got like a 6 ERA, Brett De Geis a 7 ERA. So it has been absolutely terrible for this bunch. Then you take a look at what the Rockies are trotting out there. You've had Robert Stevens that actually do a very good job on the road with a two one four 1 4 ERA. Ashton Gadu has a sub 3 ERA on the road. Taylor Kinley even has a 3 2 ERA. So you've got a couple pieces there. Then you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks of what you're going to be able to get out of Mr. Zach gallen and he's been able to rein it in a little bit more recently. I actually really like his stuff. He's just backed up by a poopy team, but he has given up three plus runs in now four out of his last five starts, and the team in general has just been absolutely terrible in Zach Gallin's starts so far this year. They have won a grand total of five of them, and two of them came in the first month of the year out of twenty-two. So ever since the first month of the year, the Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe, are three and sixteen in his last nineteen starts. That's something that needs to be taken into consideration. And it's not like Gallon's been terrible. I mean, a four thirty-seven ERA is not necessarily great, but at the same time, he deserves a little bit of a better fate. At home, a four one-eighty ERA and a one and seven record to show for it, giving up ten bombs in fifty-six innings with opponents hitting at two thirty-four off of him. Big thing with him is walks. I would say about. 3.8-ish walks per 9 innings, and then you take a look at Antonio Sensatella, and the team has been winning for him ever since he's really been taking the bump more recently. 4-2 and two in his last 6 starts, with Sensatella, he's given up 3 runs or fewer, and now 9 out of his last 10 starts, so he's been able to do a nice job of being oriented in, and what Sensatella's done a great job of is being able to limit the home run ball. He has given up a grand total of now 3 home runs, and in his last 10 starts, so he has been able to do a nice job with that regard. Someone that has always pitched a little bit better at Coors rather than on the road, but those splits are more even now. 427 to Odiari, 397 to Omiari, giving up seven home runs in 65 and a third innings on the road. So I do take a look at the spot, I wound up saying the Colorado Rockies more on a minus 115-ish Ravens, and I think that this is going to be a well-pitched game, set this all at 8.2, so going under along with the Rockies. We move on to 913, 914 on the bang board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers, and Corbin Burns is going to be on the bump for the Milwaukee Brewers. Currently, only DraftKings has a line on this game. Total is 7. Unders minus 115. The Overs minus 105 with a brewer, You're getting them at a plus 125, and you're getting the LA Dodgers at a minus 145. And I was willing to take the Brewers as long as I was getting a plus 125 or greater. We heard it from Matt Paul. You've got to expect that. You're probably going to be getting somewhere in the neighborhood about 70, maybe 75 pitches out of Corbin Burns, so I'm sort of thinking that he's going to go Five innings, but keep in mind that you do have Josh Hader in the bullpen for this Brewers team. You're not going to have Devin Williams. Jake Cousins is currently on the injured list, but even someone like a Jendel Gustave will give you some good innings. He's got right around two five ERA team picked up Colin Ria. He's never been great. He's never necessarily been terrible. Hunter Strickland is probably going to be out because he's on paternity leave as well. And then you do take a look at Julio Arias and he right now leads the MLB in wins. He has been absolutely superb with that regard at a 19-3 and record but Arias has actually done his best work on the road. 342 home ERA, 271 road ERA, giving up 9 bombs in 76 and a third innings at home. Meanwhile 10 home runs but in 103 innings on the road and opponents are about a 230 off of him in LA compared to a 219 on the road. So that is something that I do take note of, and you take a look at this Milwaukee Brewers team, and what I think is big for the team is that William Adamas wound up starting yesterday. He, Avi Avicel Garcia, Eduardo Escobar, Luis Odias, all between 23 and 29 home runs so far this year. All these guys hitting between, by the way, a 248 and a 265. You've got Colton Long at the top hitting about a 275. Omar Norvaez is hitting more like a 270. Christian Yelich has had a bad year. Nine home runs at about 400 at bats, and he's hitting right around 250. That's just absolutely inexplicable. And then you do take a look at this the Dodgers, and got a lot of firepower that this team has. A.J. Paul, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner down for what? Trey Turner down for what? Mookie Betts, Max Muncie have all been able to give you at least 20 home runs for this team. It's absolutely insane. And then you got Corey Seager, who all of a sudden is just hitting bomb upon bomb. He entered into this series, having hit five home runs in his last four games. Now, that's against the Padres and the Arizona of the Diamondbacks, but he certainly has been able to figure it out. And for the Dodgers, number two, Bo area in the Big Leagues. You've had it from some very unlikely as well. Justin Bruhl, Alex Visia, Phil Bickford, the former Brewer. These guys have all been able to come through for you. Joe Kelly has been able to do a solid job for this team as well, so I did take a look at the spot, and I do think that it's a very intriguing one, but I do think that there is some value here with Corbin Burns because you take a look at what he's done on the road, and he has been nothing short of absolutely masterful. His buck-64 road best among qualifying starters in the big leagues, 7-0 record in 12 starts. He has allowed 10 walks and 76 headings on the road at 3 home runs and 77 and two-thirds innings, and opponents on the road are earning $1. seventy-seven off of them. so you know what? I think that Corbin Burns is going to be very motivated here on the road to try to get that Cy Young Award. I'm going to take the plus price here with the Brewers. I set this total a little bit south of 7 as well, so I'm going to be going under, along with the Brew Crew. 9.15, 9.16 on the bang board. Got the Tampa Bay Rays in the road faceoff face off against the New York Yankees. Currently, only DraftKings has a line on this one, as Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees, and Shane Baz is going to be going for the Rays. 9 is your total over and under, both at minus 110 if you're looking at the Yankees getting them at minus 150 plus 130 on the Tampa Bay Rays. And I recognize that Shane Boz is not necessarily an household name, but I'm going to be taking a shot here. I really like what I've seen in his first few starts. He was was really one of the most highly touted prospects in all of baseball. And take a look at Boz, 10 and two thirds innings across his two starts team is 2-0 in them. He's given up a grand total of two runs and five total hits in them. Now, two of those wound up flying over the fence when he wound up facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays, but even in his time at the minor league level, at the minors, he was giving up right around two walks of 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings, doing an absolutely amazing job, and he's going up against a guy in Jordan Montgomery. He has been solid himself. He's given up a combined three runs over the course of his last three starts, but keep in mind, two of those starts wound up coming against the poopy Texas Rangers and the poopy Baltimore Orioles, so certainly who you wind up playing against needs to be a little bit factor there, but still, when you're giving up one run or fewer in seven out of your last nine starts, you're certainly doing something right. Actually, make it nine out of his 11 starts, so this has been a very good performing Jordan Montgomery, you take a look at him at home, 311 home area, 378 road give giving up just six home runs at 66 and two-thirds innings at home, but he does have to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays lineup in which you've got a tree of guys with at least 30 home runs so far this year in Nelson Cruz, Mike Zanino. You're able to throw in their brain in Lau as well. For Lau, he's really been able to pick it up with the batting average hitting right around 240, but as a 340 on base. Randy Orozarena is hitting about a 270, 20-plus home runs, 350 on base. Juan de Franco wound up having that long on base streak snap, but still, he has been able to do a tremendous job. You have got a pair of guys with right around 350 on base in G-Man Choi and Yandy Diaz. He is hitting right around 255. Choi right around a 230, so these guys just find a way on. And for the New York Yankees, obviously, they've got everything in the world to play for. You are dealing with Joey Gallo having a little bit of an ailment, but he was in the fold yesterday. He, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, oh, all have been able to give you at least 35 home runs so far this season. With Sandy's hitting about a 275, George Schell, Glaber, Torres, a pair of guys hitting between about a 260 to a 270. DJ LeMay was out of the fold yesterday, but he's been solid. You do have a couple guys that they do need to pick it up when it comes to batting average. Brett Gardner, Rude, Andrew Dore, Kyle Lagash, Yoka, along Joy Joey owing at 225 or lower, but I will say this for Gardner. He's actually picked it up here late in the year. Over the last three, day. It's hitting more like a 260. So, I give him a little bit of credit. And then with the Yankees, bullpen is now fully bolstered as Luis Severino has been able to come out of the bullpen, give you some good innings. Michael King has been able to do a nice job for the team. Chad Green is someone I do like a roll shaman. Still a little bit over the place, but you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays as well. JP FireEyes and Pete Fairbanks. And these guys are doing their job. JT Chargois. So, it's coming over from the Seattle Mariners. About a 2 ERA. You've got Matt Weisler who is back in full as well. So, I do take a look at the spot and I'm going to be taking the plus price with the Tampa Bay Rays. I felt like this should have been a classic pick I wound up saying the race as a minus 102, just a set a favorite, but I was right there with this. I also wound up saying the all eight and 8.5. I think that both of these guys are going to pitch a really good game, so going to be going under along with the Tampa Bay Rays. Nine seventeen, nine eighteen of on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles hit the road to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. John Means is going to be going for the Orioles. 8.5 is your total, over and under, both at minus 110 with the Jays. Anywhere between minus 230, minus 235 is your price. Anywhere between plus 190 and plus 2 08 is your price on the Orioles. I'll just give out the run line right now because I think that that's of intrigue to many people here. And we're between minus 150 to minus 120 is what you're laying with the Jays, and I was willing to lay up to a minus 125 on that run line. So, sign me up for Minoan Company. Now, you do take a look at John Means, and he looks like the John Means of old. As his first few starts coming off the injured list, you can tell that he was on himself. For John Means, you take a look at what he's been able to do over the course of his last six starts, giving up three runs or fewer in every one of them. So, that has been very good to see. As a matter of fact, each out of his last seven. He's been able to do a good job of limiting the deep ball as well. He's given up a combined five home runs in these last seven starts. That has been a little bit of a bugaboo for him this year. And he's been able to do a good job getting more swings and misses. 28 strikeouts and 29 in 29 and a third innings in the month of September. Then you take a look at Manoa and he has been absolutely lights out at home. 247 to home ERA compared to a 408. road already giving up four home runs and 47 in 47 and a third innings. at opponent's earning a buck 68 off of him between his starts in Buffalo along with what we've seen in Toronto. And well this is an Orioles team that they were able to Sneak up on the Boston Red Sox. I do not think that the Toronto Blue Jays will suffer the same fate as you got a pair of guys with 43-plus home runs. Flagger Junior Marcus Simeon. Guerrero's hitting right around a 310 for you. You've got Popichette along to ask Hernandez, both hitting between a 290 to a 300. Both of these guys 28-plus home runs. George Springer has been able to pick it up the last couple days. Santiago Espino is hitting a 300. He's in for Lawrence Gurriel, who's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. bit unfortunate there, but even Kevon Biggio is not back at the fold for this team. So, you've got a lot of firepower there, and the one thing I can say for the Baltimore Orioles is that you've got a couple guys that are able to do a very solid job in the lineup for this team. Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, both of these guys between 30 and 33 home runs for Mountcastle. Austin, this is his kid. Trey Bumbo Mancini, Pedro Severino, Anthony Santander. All these guys are in between, I would say, about a 245 to a 260 for you. You are noticing that you've got a young guy out there in the outfield and Mr. Tyler Nevin who's getting a couple at-bats. I believe that that's a relation of to Phil Nevin. I know that he's a highly touted guy for the Baltimore Baltimore Orioles, going to be interesting to watch him this weekend, but what is also interesting is how bad the Baltimore Orioles bullpen is. Cole Solzer has actually been able to give you some very good innings. He's got a 270 ERA. Dylan Tate has been doing a little bit of something for you. A 4-5 ERA, you take a look at him over the last three days. He's been able to rein it in a tad bit more over the last 15 days. As a matter of fact, a puck 23 ERA, but... Connor Green, Marcos DePlan, Fernando Abad, Joey Creeble. I have no faith in any of these guys. And for the Blue Jays, it has been a little bit of a for them. Julie Merriweather hasn't necessarily been great since coming off the injury list, but you take a look at Tim Baza. Over the last three days, he's got right around 245. ER. Adam Simber has really been able to rein it in. Trevor Richards is a little bit of a concern, but I think that the Blue Jays should be able to get the job done in this spot. I'm going to be taking them on the run line. Also wound up the of the solo at an 8.8, so going over along the Jays run line. 919, 920 on the main board. The Clues on Indians to third face off against the Texas Rangers. Jordan Lyles is going to be going for the Rangers. Today, Tim McKenzie is going to be on the bump for the Indians. Indians find themselves anywhere between minus 140, minus 141 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Rangers, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130 is your price. 8.5 is your total over and under, both at minus 110. And for Mr. Jordan Lyles, he has been giving up the deep ball this year. That's a little bit of an issue when you face off against an Indian team that has two guys with north of 30 home runs. That'd be Fran Reyes along with Jose Ramirez. So, both of these guys have really been able to come through for you with Reyes. He was out of the fold yesterday. I anticipate him being out of the fold once again today. So, you're going to have to rely upon Mr. Jose Ramirez, who he, Harold Ramirez, along with Miles straw, all in between about a 265 to a 275. And you do have a mid-Rosario back in the fold. He's hitting a 280 prior to going on. A little bit of an injury timeout, I guess you could say, a few weeks ago. He was really tearing it up. Now, with the Indians, you do have Bradley Zimmer, Yu Chang, Oscar Mercado, Bobby Bradley, Andres Jimenez, all in between about a 210 to a 230. So, that is a little bit of an issue, but you take a look at the Texas Rangers, and you do have Adolis Garcia. He's been able to give you right around four home runs over the last 40 days. He's sitting about at 245. Got a couple guys getting on base. Willie Calhoun, Nate Lowe, Isaiah Kinner, along with Andy Ibanez, all in between about a 258 to a 275. But then you've got DJ Turn It Up, Peters, Leodi Tavares. You're able to throw in there Mr. Martin. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys for the Texas Rangers sitting at 215 or lower. Brock Holt, thank you for reminding me, the <laughs> voice in my head, but you do take Take a look at the Texas Rangers team, they have been able to give you a little bit of something out of the bullpen. Jerome Cotton over the last 30 days, right around a 3 ERA. Joe Barlow currently has a buck 55 ERA. Even Mike Fultonavich, ever since he's been coming out of the bullpen, has been able to give you some quality innings along with Brett Martin. But then, you do take a look at the Cleveland Indians, and you've got Emmanuel Clase a, doing a great job. He's had a sub-2 ERA pretty much all year. Anthony Ghost has been able to do a solid job for you, even... Blake Parker has right around a 275 ERA, but then you take a look at just what you're going to be able to get out of these starters. And I do have my question marks when it comes to Mr. Jordan Lyles being able to keep the ball in the yard, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, because he's got a 531 ERA overall for the year. This takes some skill. 38 home runs, give it up in 173 innings. How so you get that many innings while giving up that many bombs, it is very impressive now. You only gave up two home runs in the month of September. yip do but you take a look at the splits at home right around a 504 ERA, 550. Six roadier 17 home runs, give it up in 84 innings, 21 home runs, give it up in 89 innings on the road. So it's either bad or it's bad. And then you take a look at Tristan McKenzie, his last few starts have been Once to forget, giving up a combined 10 runs over the course of 6 and 2 thirds innings. Prior to that, this guy was just absolutely rolling. He had given up a combined 4 runs in his previous 5 starts, and for that matter, he's still given up 3 earned runs or fewer, in now 9 out of his last 10 starts, so he's really been able to pick it up ever since he wound up having a bunch of command issues towards the beginning of the year, so I do take a look at the spot. I do feel like the Indians should be a relatively sizable favorite. Set them at minus 148, and we only have a couple more days to be able to call them the Indians before they become the Guardians, so let's send them on a high note. Set the sold at 8.6. So going over and we're going to be going with the Indians on the money line as taking a look at the run line. Finding that right around a plus 110 would have liked that a little bit more closer to a plus 115. 921, 922 on the betting board. The Oakland A's at the red face off against the Houston Astros. Jake Odorizzi is going to be going for the Stroves and Paul Blackburn is going to be getting the bump for the Oakland A's. You got the A's finding themselves anywhere between about a plus 138 to a plus 140 underdog. Meanwhile, with the Astros anywhere between minus 150 and minus 169 is your total over is minus one. 20 and the under is even when it comes to Paul Blackburn. He's got an ERA that is hovering right around seven since the beginning of the 2018 season. This year, he's been able to rein it in a little bit more. He's given up five-home runs over the course of 36 and a third innings. Certainly not a swing and miss guy, but on the road, a 579 ERA in his three starts, giving up four bombs in 14 innings, and opponents throwing a 328 off of them On the road overall, they're hitting a 300 off of them. so that is an issue when you go up against the Houston Astros team that you've got a whole lot of guys that they are ready to match for the team. Now, when it comes to Houston Astros, they did wind up sitting a couple of their marquee guys yesterday, like an Ozeal Altuve and company, but that's because they had just clinched, so... I think that now that you've got a new day and guys have recovered from their hangovers and whatnot, you're going to have a little bit more of a full lineup for the team as you've got Carlos Correa, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, all giving you at least 25 home runs, all hitting at least at 272 for this bunch. Chaz McCormick, whenever he's been out there, he has been solid. He's been hitting right around 250 with 13 bombs. Alex Bregman is hitting at 275. Michael Brantley hitting above a 300, along with Yoli Gurriel. So this is still a locked and loaded lineup. Even when guys like Jose Siri and company are out there as he's been hitting right around and then you take a look at the Oakland A's and they are now toast for the postseason but do have quite a few guys giving you at least a 340 or greater on base in Josh Harrison. Tony Kemp, Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, Matt Olson, Marcana. These guys have been relatively soft for you. For Olson, he's been carrying the mail all year long. 38 home runs at 109 RBI going into yesterday. Chad Bender's been hitting right around 245. Young Gomes hitting at 260 as well. And then, you just had a very up and down year when it comes to Matt Chapman. He was out of the fold yesterday, but he's been able to give you right around 14 home runs since the beginning of August, but he hit right around like a buck 60 in the month of September as well. So, that's an issue and for the Oakland A's. What else is an issue? the bullpen. Over the last 40 days, it's been right around a 5-ish ERA. Jake Diekman has completely gone into the tanker. You take a look at Lou Trevino. His ERA over the last 30 days is hovering right around 7. Sergio Romo. His ERA the last 30 days. A 12-10 in 9 and 2 thirds innings. He's allowed 5 home runs. So That is a big, giant issue. And for the Houston Astros, you've been able to get some good innings out of Kendall Graveman. I know that Christian Javier has been used as a little bit of a super utility guy. He's been pretty solid. Ryan Sanek, Lung Flake Taylor. They're giving some good innings, so I do think that Jake Odorizzi is going to be backed up quite well, and I do think that Odorizzi is going to be able to give you a halfway decent start. I still felt like Javier should have belonged in the starting rotation, but I take a look at Odorizzi at home. 361 ERA. He's given up 5 home runs of 42 in a third innings, but a starting about at 240 off of him, and then you take a look at what he did in the month of September. He didn't wind up going very long in his starts, but still, a 235 ERA across his four appearances did not wind up giving up a single homer, and this is a man that has now given up 3 runs or fewer in 7 out of his last 8 pitching appearances. For that matter, two runs are fierce. So, I do take a look at the spot. I do think that the Astros should be a relatively sizable favorite. If you're looking at them on the run line, I'm seeing them as a plus 120 across the board. I was willing to take this as long as I was getting North of a plus one ten. I also set this one at nine point three. So we're gonna be going over along the Astros on the run line. Nine twenty three, nine twenty-four on the bank board. The Detroit Tigers gonna be in the road face off against the Chicago White Sox as Lucas Chilito gets a start for the Sox. And Matt Manning is gonna be going for the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers anywhere between plus two fifteen and plus two thirty-four is their price. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the White Sox, anywhere between minus two sixty 260, and minus two sixty five, half to nine is your total. On the NF over is minus one twenty, the under is even. On the nine, flip it, the under is 20 and the over is even. And for Mr. Lucas Giolito, it has been a little bit of an up and down year. And for the White Sox in general, Feels like they've been in a little bit of cruise control ever since the All-Star break. They haven't necessarily had a lot of pressure on them ever since the All-Star break when it comes to the division, but take a look at Leto, and he's really been able to put together some very nice starts recently. This is a man that has now given up three runs or fewer in now each out of his last eight starts, so he's beginning to roll there, wound missing a little bit of the month of September, but in his last three starts, he has been able to put it together, giving up a grand total of four runs across them, went four innings in his first start off the injured list against the Angels five and a third against the Rangers, and then six scoreless against the Cleveland Indians, so he's been able to build himself up for Giolito, he's actually been a little bit worse at home than on the road 395 home ERA, a 325 ERA on the road, giving up 18 bombs and 82 and a third innings at home compared to 9 and right around 91 and a third innings on the road, but then you take a look at Matt Manning and he's got some big home and road splits as well, 518 home ERA 767 road here. He's given up five home runs in both environments, but he's pitched right around 17 fewer innings on the road. Opponent's scoring at 318 off of him whenever he is on the road. And you take a look at the Chicago White Sox team, and you've got a very fearsome lineup out there as you've got a lot of guys. They're in between, I would say, about a 255 to about a 270. You've got Eloy Jimenez, Yohan Moncada, Lori Garcia, Jose Abreu on that full for Abreu. this is a man that he's trying to trace down that RBI crown as he's got 113 RBI so far this year. Tim Anderson, and uh, has been hitting right around 300. Luis Robert is trying to finish a year with a 350 batting average. That's been impressive. You've got even a guy like a Gavin Sheets. You at 245 for this bunch. Cesar Hernandez has been able to supply some boom 20-plus home runs. And for the White Sox, the bullpen is really starting to raid in. And Craig Kimbrell, Liam Hendricks. These guys look very solid. You've been able to get some good innings. Uh, Ryan Tapera and Jose Ruiz for Tapera. He goes under the radar, but you take a look at what he's been able to do for this bunch, and he has been nothing short of spectacular for them. He has a 281 ERA ever since. He was picked up as part of that deal along with Craig Kimbrell. You've been able to get some good innings recently out of Ryan Burr along with Aaron Bummer as well. Then you take a look at the Tigers, and this is actually a top ten bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break, and they've got a winning record since the All-Star break. Jason Foley, Michael Fulmer, pair of guys with sub-4 ERAs. Now, you're without Gregory Soto, you're without Jose Cicero, but Drew Hutchinson has come in. He's been able to do a solid job for the team. And Alex Lang, you take a look at his last three days, he's got a 2 ERA as well. So, I do think that there's a little bit of sneakiness when it comes to this Detroit Tigers bullpen. It's just hard to have faith in Mr. Matt Me- Manning on the road. I needed at least a 225 to be able to take a shot here on the Tigers. We are there, but you take a look at the run line of the White Sox. This is where the question comes in. You've got it right around about a minus 135 to a minus 140. I was willing to take up to a minus 130, so it's one a little bit out of range. So, in this one, gonna be going with the plus price with the Detroit Tigers. This is also the spot where I wound up saying the total at 8.8. So, we're gonna be taking one of the nines under because I do think that there is gonna be a little bit of value here with that Tigers pitching, and I'm gonna be taking the plus price with the Detroit Tigers. 925, 926 on the bagging bar, the Minnesota Twins. And the red face-off against the City Royals. Chris with K-Bubich is gonna be going for the Royals, and Griffin Jacks is gonna be going for the Minnesota Twins. Twins are at DraftKings a minus 120 favorite, even money on the Royals there. 90s your total, overs minus 120, and the under is even. Only place in which I'm seeing a lineup for this game, and I just take a look at Griffin Jackson. There is no backing him in this spot. Now, I recognize that Chris with the k Boobich is certainly not going to be the next Bob Gibson or anything like that, but you take a look at it, and Griffin Jackson has been really, really bad. He's given up 23 all runs and 77 headings so far this year. I mean, that's just absolutely inexplicably bad, and he's been even worse on the road, ladies and gentlemen. 7-32 road ERA for Jacks, giving up 11 home runs and 35 and two-thirds innings opponents hearing a 260 off of him that's not what you want to see then you take a look at Mr. Chris with the k boobish, and it's been solid at home it's given up 5 home runs at 56 and two-thirds innings compared to 16 and 66 and two-thirds innings on the road it's got a 397 home ERA so that is certainly passable you take a look at this Royals bullpen and they rank in the top 8 with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break Joel Payampas, A-sub-3 ERA, Josh Seymount, Domingo Tapia. These guys have been very good at for Seymount. He had his trials tribulation tribulations towards the beginning of the year, but buck 46 ERA the last three days, so he's figured it out. Even Jake Prince and Scott Barlow are giving you some good innings. And for the Minnesota Twins, over the last 45 days for them, they rank in the top eight with regards to bullpen ERA. Ralph Garza Jr. to be able to give you some good innings. Luke Farrell has an ERA that has been ballooning recently, but still right around at 3-5. Orde Alcala, to be able to give you a couple good innings recently. And Caleb Theobar I have dogged him quite a bit this year. Got to give them credit where credit is due. Over the last 30 days, a 0.84 ERA. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and this is just a lineup that, in general, you do have a few guys. They're able to do a relatively solid job for you, but got a lot of slugs in there as well. Byron Buxton has really been picking it up the last few days. Coming off the injured list, he looked a little bit rough. Now he's got his batting average towards like a 300. Once again, Luis Arias is hitting a 2.85. Ore, Palunco, Josh Donaldson. Both of these guys have been able to take a yard. 25 bombs for Donaldson, right around 32 for Palunco. Palunco is hitting a 2.70. 3.50 on base for Mr. Donaldson, but then you've got Brent Rooker, Jake Cave, Miguel Sano, Max Kepler, Ryan Jeffers, Brent Rooker, the list goes on and on of guys earning a 225 or lower you are able to throw in there in Charlton Simmons. Now, I will say for Mr. Sano, he has been able to give this team 30 home runs so far this year. You take a look at what he's done recently, and his on-base percentage has been right around a 320 the last two months, but certainly you could use a little bit more there. And then with the Kansas City Royals, you've got Salvador Perez DHing this weekend. He, Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benatendi, all in between about a 270 Five two two eighty, and so Alberto's been able to give you right around two seventy as well. Nicky Lopez is hitting a 3 threeer now. Carlos Santana, Hunter Dozier, Cam Gallagher. These guys have not necessarily been great towards the bottom of the full. bow with Paris, how about the forty-eight home runs at one hundred twenty-one RBI going into yesterday? Those both lead the league, so he has been incredibly impressive there. I did take a look at the spot, and I feel like the Royals should be a favorite. Griffith, Jacks. I think is going to be giving up Jax. Press 1 to Salvador Perez. I want to say this one at 9.3 as well, with the Royals being a minus 136 favorite, so on this line that we're seeing at DraftKings, we'll be taking it over along with the Royals. 927, 928 on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners are going to be playing with the LA Angels. Jonathan Diaz is going to be going for the Angels. Chris Flexen is going to be on the bump for the Mariners. The Mariners find themselves in between minus 1 165 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, your plus price with LA is anywhere between plus 151 and plus 155. 8 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And for Chris Flexen, he has been absolutely masterful at home. He has given up three earned runs or fewer in all but two of his home starts so far this year. And then you've got Jonathan Diaz, who I actually think is a little bit intriguing because he was not bad at the minor league level. Now, I'm not going to go out there and say that this guy is going to wind up giving you like six scoreless innings or anything like that, but He has been used a couple times on the bullpen for the sponge, and he's been able to hold up at the point of attack. He's got a 3-1-2 ERA over the course of two total appearances, eight and two-thirds innings. He has been able to give you just a tad bit of something there. This is going to be a second career start. You take a look at what Diaz wound up doing at the double-A level for Rocket City. He did wind up making a couple appearances with triple-A Salt Lake. Actually went 0-3, but didn't necessarily look terrible there either. That is a juice ball league, and he did wind up having four and a half walks per nine innings, but all in all, this minor league season, ten and a half strikeouts to two Point four walks per 9 innings. It's given up to 0.6 home runs per 9 innings, so this is someone that comes over from Venezuela, and I do think that there's some upside with him. problem is he's running into a Seattle Mariners team that, for one, they are having all the motivation in the world, trying to snap about a 20-year postseason drought, and for two, he's also backed up by a bullpen that stinks. Andrew Wants, he wants this season back. He's got north of a 5 year James Hoyt has been terrible. AJ Ramos is someone who's 35 years old and is just on his last like Steve Zizek, Right around in three areas. So he's actually been good. in Rossio Iglesias, when you can get him, the ball is great. Problem is, I don't think that they're going to be able to get him the ball. You take a look at this Mariners team. A combined 73 home runs going into yesterday between Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seager. Now, with Kyle Seager, Cal Raleigh, Ode Mamaloes, Jared Kelnick, Tom Murphy. The list goes on and on of guys. They're in a 220 or lower throw on their Jake Bowers as well. I mean, it's been a little bit tough there, but Abraham Toro, ever since coming over from the Astros, he's hitting a 260. Lewis Torrens has been living up to his name. Touring it up. How about him hitting a 338 over the last three days? He's been able to come through clutch for the team. JP Crawford hitting about a 275 as well. Ty France is hitting a 290. And then you take a look at the Angels. Shoy Otani has really slowed down recently. Ever since, I would say, July 28th, this is a guy that is hitting a 220 or lower. I mean, over the last three days, it sounds more like a 240, but certainly he has not been able to provide the deep ball. He's got three home runs over the last three days. Jared Walsh ever since the also break, he's got just five home runs. And I will say he's hitting about a 275. You have Brandon Marsh, along with Mr. Otani, David Fletcher, all in between about a 258 to a 265. You are able to throw on there, Phil Gosselin as well, but you haven't been able to get a lot out of Jack Mayfield, along with Luis Beninifo as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, they lead the league in one-run wins and also extra-inning wins because the bullpen has been great. Casey Sadler, Paul Sewell, Drew, second-rider, all these guys, a sub-2.8 ERA. Eric Swanson has regressed a little bit recently, but has still been able to give you some good innings. And Diego Castillo, over the last three days, right around 225 ERA. He's been able to do a great job, at the back end of the bullpen, so I do take a look at this, I think that Chris Flexen is going to continue to be very masterful at home I think that Diaz actually gives a relatively decent start, but I think that the Angels wind up lighting this game on fire once again and for the Angels, second fewest runs per game ever since the all-star break in the big leagues in the American League, so I do take a look at the spot, set it at 8.7, so going to be going over, and with the Mariners going to be looking at the run line, you're able to get that anywhere between about a plus 115 to a plus 120, I was willing to lay a price, so go Mariners run line, and I'm going to be going over and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the banking board. The e and Red Sox hit the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. With the Red Sox, we have no earthly idea who's going to be going for them because Chris Sale, it looks like is going to be getting his start on Sunday. Meanwhile, you've got Josiah Gray who's going to be on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Right now, I'm seeing an opening line at Circa with a do-be-determined starter on the Boston Red Sox at minus 166 for the Red Sox plus 151 with Josiah Gray company 8 is your total, over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. I've got to think with the Boston Red Sox, perhaps you wind up going with a guy like a Tanner Houck in this spot. Perhaps you wind find up of just mixing and matching but I'd probably be setting them at north of a minus 180 favorite, personally, just because I think that the offense is going to be able to do enough against Josiah Gray. Now, Gray in his last few starts has been a little bit better, giving up a combined five runs in 11 and a third innings against the Rockies and the Marlins. A pair of wins, but you take a look at what he did before this stretch. Five plus runs given up in four straight starts against the Rockies, the Pirates, the Mets, and the Philadelphia Phillies. That is not what you want right there, ladies and gentlemen. This is a man that has had command issues as well. In the month of September, he was giving up right around 5.5 walks per nine. And he's had a 7.66 ERA that month. This guy is great stuff. He's going to be a future sub, but he's got a 6.99 home ERA, and he has been giving up the deep ball. 14 home runs, given up at 7 home starts, 8 total appearances. So you got that going on. And then with the Boston Red Sox, they railed a little bit silent towards the beginning of their game against the Washington Nationals with the bats, but you've got Kyle Schwarber, you've got Hunter Renfro along Christian Vasquez. i between about a 2.55, to 265 for the team. For Renfro along Schwarber, both of these guys have been able to supply the boom with 30 plus home runs. Bobby Dahl back over the last 30 days. He's been able to provide 8 home runs. He's now hitting about at 240, so he's been able to pick it up. And then you've got Xander Bogars hitting at 295 23 home runs for him. J.D. Martinez he's hitting at 285 along with Alex Verdugo with Martinez. He's approaching 30 home runs. Rafael Devers, 35 bombs, 275 batting average, and his RBI of 108. One of the best out there in the big leagues. Then you take a look at the Washington Nationals and Juan Soto has a lot to play for because this is a man that he's trying to accumulate as many numbers as humanly possible possible for that MVP award. 468 on base, 29 home runs, just south of 100 RBI. Josh Bell, has been able to do a solid job as well. He's went deep 27 times. He's hitting right around 260 for this punch. Lane Thomas Jefferson's coming over to the Washington Nationals. is sitting in the pocket of about a 280. see Escobar is sitting about a 285. Keep out Luis has actually been able to do a very good job for this team. He was one of the centerpieces of that Matt Max Scherzer deal. He's hitting at 280, so you've got a Washington Nationals team that they're able to score some runs, so this is a spot in which I have find- if I'm getting at eight, I certainly would be taking a look at the over. I'm thinking that this total should probably be closer to like a nine and a half or a ten with a to be determined starter with the Red Sox. You take a look at the Red Sox and you got to figure that you're probably going to want to get a little bit of bulk out of guys like a Garrett Richards, Martin Perez. I mean, I think that one of those guys getting it open. Maybe you use Hedokazu Sadamona for a pair of innings out of the bullpen. Matt Barnes is probably going to be your closer in this one Darwinson Hernandez has been relatively solid. And then you take a look at the Washington Nationals bullpen and it has not been good, to say the least. Kyle Finnegan, he has started to regress. Not necessarily his fault. He's just been used so much that he's not even funny. Austin buff has a 5.43 ERA for the year and a 9.58 ERA over the last 30 days. That is not good. Ryan Harper's ERA is now north of 4 after in the last 30 days. He's had a 12.79 ERA. I mean, you just go down the list of the Nationals and it is very poopy. This is a spot in which if you do wind up having that wholesale approach with the Boston Red Sox, I'm probably going to be setting them right around a $2 favorite. I'm going to be setting a total more like that. And so right now we're taking a look at an over and a Boston Red Sox run line. Be very surprised if I go with anything different than that. But that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Saturday. A big thanks to pre and post game hosts of the Milwaukee Brewers. Matt Pauly for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the baseball betting podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe over your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind letters EM I mean does not matter. So please do send these into the timeline as per usual. Other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciating them. From there, you're able to fire in whatever. you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review always appreciate you guys tuning in i will be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season which means coming at you once again tomorrow thank you so much for tuning in